Good morning. Uh, this business about we'll talk about the campaign and the rest of it. And I don't I don't mean to make jokes here because this was serious stuff. Uh, I saw this. I guess it was the Banner Herald or somebody that reported this. This lady and this is her saying this. I mean, she would have died but for Russell Edwards being in the right place, the right time, and knowing how to do the right thing. What's the story here? It completely right place, right time. Absolutely, Tim. I was uh, I was canvassing uh, about a week and a half ago. Uh, was in the truck, had uh, Teddy, uh, my four-year-old, with me, um, had pulled onto a street that I had never driven on before, um, just just south of the loop, down Millage, and uh, it was towards the end of the day, it was starting to get dark, and I thought to myself, well, let me just, let me just try to knock on a few more doors and see if I can meet a couple more people and talk to them about this election. Drove in front of uh, sort of an apartment development, parked the truck, was looking at my map. Teddy just dozed off in the back seat when all of a sudden a lady busts out of her apartment and uh, is sort of staggering, looked like she was about to collapse. And I could barely hear her from inside the truck wheezing and and asking, you know, help, help me, help, help. So, uh... I jumped out of the truck, came over to where she was. It was clear she was choking. And uh, and so I proceeded to perform the Heimlich maneuver and uh, performed it about five times and, uh, you know, made sure I found her belly button mm. so that I didn't crush her ribs. You know, that's the key with the Heimlich. And uh, after, the, after those five times, she was able to uh, – sort of re- remove the the obstruction in her windpipe she she had a, a bone that was uh, obstructing her mm. windpipe so uh so we we shared a moment there it was <laughs> it was something else man i tell you yeah i'm guessing you're not going to see somebody else's yard sign in front of her place uh between now and may 22nd one, now you had to go through pretty ex- time, yeah, yeah you had to go through some pretty extensive training or you said you did i mean the heimlich itself simple enough but but the right. fact that you had ex- i gather from what you said extra training in this what was that about i did in college i worked at a group home for autistic children and uh, up in Nashville, North Carolina. And uh, before I was able to work my first shift, they gave us extensive life-saving training, uh, a few days, and uh, CPR and, you know, how to respond to different situations. So uh, that that was a great refresher. And, mm. you know, I remember back in uh, in health class in high school, we had extensive CPR and uh, and Heimlich training uh, in public high school in Georgia too. And I, it probably never crossed your mind that someday you'd have to use this stuff. No, definitely not. I mean, it, it was it was one of those uh, things where you just. Yeah. train and learn as much as you can and hope that you'll be prepared mm-hmm. to take action. Good stuff. And, and again, right place, right time, and most importantly, the right training and the ability to put that to use. After all that, th- this campaign business, a little a little mundane, or it can be, but let's talk about it. We're six weeks out. You're one of three candidates running in District 7, the race to replace Diane Bell, who, who chooses to be a one and done on the Athens Clark County Commission, will not seek re-election. Uh, Bill Overend, Carl Blunt, the other candidates in this race. Do you like where you are? Do you have any way of knowing where you are in this there's no polling out there at least that i'm aware of what's your sense of where things are yeah no polling that's right um i i feel good you know i've really enjoyed this campaign uh in a way it's been an extension of of the work i've i've been doing in this community you know i've 
I've enjoyed meeting so many new people. I've knocked on about 538 doors, um, which has been a real pleasure. I mean, I've gotten to meet so many new people in my neighborhood and other neighborhoods. I've learned a lot more about Athens. Um, You know, talking with folks like Ken Jarrett and Usha Rodriguez on Deering Street on how we're going to fix some of those four-way stops. Talking with folks like Leon Gallus down in Riverbend Parkway about street paving and sidewalks. Um, talking with f- folks on Millage Circle like Valerie Aldridge and Rachel Gabara about uh, Betty Alice Fowler, how we can work together to make our historic preservation process work better and more efficiently. Um, it's been a lot of fun. I- I've had a great time. Teddy's been with me a, a, for a, a lot of the time. You know, I've, I bought a new bicycle for this campaign. Um, Teddy has a trailer that he rides in behind me, so <laughs> so we, we've had a great time. Russell Edwards, candidate for the District 7 seat on the Athens Clark County Commission. Interesting, some of the issues you raised there, and this is, this is not you talking to people, this is people talking to you. Things like uh, four-way stop signs in a neighborhood and sidewalks and, 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 and different things. We had uh, Jared Bailey, an incumbent in District 5, facing mm-hmm. his own re-election challenges, and he, he raised some of the same issues. What are people talking to you about? And he mentioned almost word for word those exact things. We get hung up, and we will. We'll, we'll talk about some of the big issues here. Well, legalize marijuana and what to do with illegal immigrants and all of that big issue stuff. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, though, people live in neighborhoods, and people are concerned about things like four-way stop signs. At, absolutely. You know, uh, Deering in particular, you know, it's it's a situation where every other intersection there's a four-way stop. So on those where there isn't one, folks think there's one, mm-hmm. there's confusion, and you know, at the end of the day, there's people raising children there. There's senior citizens walking uh, in that neighborhood. So to the degree we can make these streets safe for not just cars, but all users, you know, for people walking, people biking, um, it, it makes our community a better place. You know, when you walk, when you bike, it's better for your health. You get to know your neighbors. You get to know your community better, um, which is a real desire in the, in the sort of Henderson Avenue, Deering Street, Church, Pope Street area, uh, because it's such a beautiful place. I mean, Deering Street is really one of the most beautiful historic districts, uh, maybe in the nation. I mean, I'm telling you, walk down Deering Street on any given day, uh, if you haven't already, it really is just one of the most beautiful residential areas. How many of these issues did we address when we, I say we, I mean you, mm-hmm. voted for the T-SPLOS last year? Didn't we solve all this stuff or no? Well, we well we, we decided to allocate funding towards it, but now we've got to execute. You and know? that's going to be the role of the commission moving forward. Absolutely, yeah. You know, ensuring that we get a good design. For, for this infrastructure, uh, these infrastructure projects that are going to be funded, you know, right now on, on the on the front burner is the Clayton Street project. Which you know. we've talked about at length with you and some of the business folks down there. Absolutely. You know, this $13 million is going to completely redo that corridor all the way from Lumpkin to Thomas Street in front of the Classic Center, and it's going to repave uh, the sidewalks and the street, but also redesign, you know, with benches, uh, trees, uh, new amenities for visitors. So, you know, one thing we've been, well, two big things we've been pushing there. The first, let's put a piece of child-friendly infrastructure in that corridor. You know, it doesn't have to be complicated. I'm talking about maybe just an interactive sculpture, you know, something kids can climb on. I mean, it would be a, a tremendous asset for the downtown area to have more things for children. And then the second piece that a friend of mine, Alex Patterson, uh, brought to my attention, along with some other gentlemen in the community, is, you know, 
for senior citizens, they don't like to go places where they're not sure where there's a bathroom. And, you know, mothers and fathers with small children the same way. You know, if we don't have a place where we know there's a bathroom, we feel trapped. You know, we're not sure what we're going to do. And so the result is people just don't visit those places. Unfortunately, downtown is one of those places. You know, there's no bathroom. There's no public bathroom that, that visitors can use in our entire historic downtown. It's crazy. So... Uh, setting aside some T-SPLOS funding or some SPLOS funding to, to put a bathroom downtown so that visitors know, okay, well, if I have an emergency, I know there's a place I can go. I don't have to go, you know, door to door to these really businesses. Just really quickly, because we're up against it here, where would you put such a thing? I think the College Avenue uh, parking deck could be a good place. You know, we already have a public facility right there. Just carve out some space and, and put one there. Three candidates are running in District 7. One of them in studio with us now. I'll get the others in or at least invite them in at some point. Carl Blunt, Bill Overin, but Russell Edwards, more time with him this morning. I understand I wasn't there, but one of the things that came up last night, and this will segue into our conversation about historic preservation, this is an issue of history. I gather there was some conversation last night that mayoral candidates for him about that Confederate monument downtown hmm. what would russell edwards recommend be done with that i have uh, I, I support it i support moving the monument to oconee hill cemetery i think that's an appropriate location for it um i support uh, contextualizing the monument you know uh the monument's history is fascinating to me and, and it should be told you know uh the monument uh was was built by women uh during reconstruction when this area was under federal law, federal martial law. I didn't realize it was that old. Wow. It, yeah, it was put up in, uh, I think it was 1883. Is, uh, I can't remember exactly the date, around that period. But um, men were prohibited from participating in these types of Confederate societies, By Confederate who were, meeting, yeah. you know, fundraising yeah. organizations, <laughs> you know. And so the women... Uh, organized it, the Ladies Memorial Association. And this was organized by Laura Rutherford, who was uh, Thomas Cobb's sister, Thomas and Hal Cobb's sister. And uh, her daughter, Mildred Rutherford, ended up being the uh, historian general of the United Daughters of the Confederacy, the headmistress at, uh, at the Lucy Cobb Institute, the principal of the Lucy Cobb Institute for decades. Yeah, mistress uh, had a different meaning then than now. Yes, right. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> And she, uh, Mildred, was instrumental, perhaps one of the most famous Georgians of her day, in propagating this lost cause ideology to explain the Civil War as, uh, you know, the South fighting against Northern aggression, the South fighting because the Northern industrialists were taking uh, advantage of the Southern agrarian society, you know, basically uh, justifying the Civil War for every reason except, except slavery. slavery, you know, the reason that was cited in the Articles of Secession. Um, and, you know, when the KKK reformed in Athens in 1917, a few months after the NAACP was founded, uh, they named this local clan the Mildred Rutherford Clavern. You know, they honored her. And so uh, th there's a very interesting sort of white supremacist history that's tied around that monument that I think is fascinating that I think you know, should be told. You know, yeah, there's no upside to not knowing the history. Now, we can dis yeah. discuss and debate, hopefully in a civil fashion, what to do with, with the various monuments and markers and statues and the rest of it. Which brings us to that question about historic preservation. Is that that's an issue that, A, you're hearing from constituents or, or possible maybe future constituents and an issue about which you have concerns yourself. What do you want to have done there? 
You know, with uh, historic preservation, some things that have happened in this community the past few uh, historic preservation debates and processes we've gone through is we've seen uh, citizens of band together and and request that the government begin the historic preservation process. That that's been all well and fine. But once the commission has acted, the commission has put in place a one-year moratorium that uh, prevents any sort of permitting for significant work done in the historic designation area. Um, The government has been slow to act. Uh, It's sort of been a very long, drawn-out process. Uh, Act in what way? So after the moratorium is put in place, the planning department uh, is, is empowered to basically collect information about the district, to host uh, town forums about the district, and to lead in the creation and the description of the district to be voted on by the county commission. So in this most recent uh, circumstance with the Millage Circle historic preservation process, you know, the moratorium was put in place in May. And all through the summer and the fall and the winter, you know, citizens were asking, okay, you know, what's happening? You know, there's nothing's been happening in the process. And what we heard back was, oh, we're, we're going to put it out to bid for a consultant to come in and study the district. So in the that meantime, we can, the clock is ticking. In the meantime, the clock's ticking, you know. So we heard, oh, it's out for bid, it's out for bid, it's out for bid. Three, four, five months, you know, to where finally in February we've heard back that, well, we're just going to do it in-house. So what that what that did is by lengthening that process to a year, it it, it sort of created an, an inefficiency where where the government just really did not snap to action and it and it effectively drew drew out the process longer than it really needed there, to be. There's at that point no incentive to act in a judicious or expeditious fashion not not really you know and and it and it makes citizens you know uneasy you know they they check out of the process it takes too long they they sort of rekindle old battles they fight again over the same thing you know so i i propose that we have a fixed guideline that we follow every time during this historic preservation process and i think we should have a six-month window for moratoriums you know when 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 we put the Rutherford moratorium in, they didn't get it done in a year. They had to extend it for another year. So they had a two-year But there's a mechanism moratorium. for doing that. I, You know, I just think it's two years is too long Russell to, to encumber on somebody's uh, property rights. Russell like Edwards running for a seat on the Anthony's yep. Clark County Commission. That, that You understand, and I'm sure you hear, that the concerns that are raised by property owners. That, you Absolutely. Know, you, you know, this is my property within a certain set of parameters. I'll do with it what I want to do or should be able to do with it what I want to do with yeah. it. Again, certain prescribed parameters there. How do you, The question is always one of balance. How do you achieve that balance? Well, I think by 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 showing the property owners that, okay, we, we've made this decision. Now we're going to execute it in an expeditious fashion. We're going to efficiently use the government's resources. We're going to move through a series of deliberate steps that are well understood by all of the stakeholders because these are the steps we take every time. You know, It's not going to be that we figure out how we're going to put this out to bid for five or six months and then all of a sudden snap to action at the last minute. No, we, we, let, let's let's make it a six-month process where once it's designated, then we have a fixed set of steps that are executed the same way every single time so that, 
you know, with a six-month window, we're not encumbering people's property rights for as long as we have been here, and that we uh, use the government's resources more efficiently. So, I, you know, I, I think by raising awareness of of the process, then um, that helps our democracy. You know, people know what know what they're getting into on the front end. Russell Edwards running in the District 7 seat on the Athens-Clark County Commission, seeking the seat that's vacated by Diane Bell. She's not running for re-election. A couple of opponents on the election that is six weeks from today, Carl Blunt and Bill Overton. Again, we'll extend invitation to those folks to come in. I mentioned some of those those headline issues that, that we like to focus on, the big stuff. I don't know whether it's big, but it's stuff that we pay attention to, maybe disproportionately in terms of what we pay attention to. The issue with marijuana. Uh, mm-hmm. We had uh, Commissioner Jared Bailey in here yesterday. He's running for re-election in District 5, he said, listen, our own county attorney says that we cannot legally do what's being suggested, what is being done in other places around the state, which is to effectively decriminalize possession of small amounts of marijuana, only a fine, not a criminal citation for less than an ounce. Jared Bailey, I don't know what his inclination is, but what he's saying is, I'm going to defer to the county attorney on this, and we can't do that. This would come into conflict with state, not to mention federal law. Well, uh, one thing that I think that one reason I, I know this issue is important, along with some other criminal justice reforms, is, you know, folks have a lot of great ideas that are coming out uh, in these forums. You know, the mayors are having a forum every other day. Jeez, really? You know, the, the commissioners, the, we don't have any more forums scheduled. You know, we've had two, you know, a month ago. Mm that were with the mayor and the Board of Education candidates together, you know, forums that lasted over four hours, but we don't have any more. So I, I hope you all have made your decisions. You know, early voting starts April 30th. But, you know, all these great ideas about investments in our community that are coming out, we've got to find a way to pay for them, you know. And uh, by following the state's lead with criminal justice reform, we can save money in our budget. You know, over half of our county budget goes to public safety. So if we can push some of these institutional reforms like marijuana decriminalization and also bail reform uh, by, by keeping people out of our jail waiting for their court date, you know, those are two big things that could really save this community millions of dollars. Now, when it comes to marijuana decriminalization, uh, Clarkston has done it. Atlanta has done it. Heck, even Savannah has done it. So I don't know. I mean, if there's a problem with it, uh, I feel like the state would have acted against those municipalities by now. They haven't. They haven't. You know, Clarkston's had it now for over two it's years. Been a couple of years in yeah. Clarkston, yeah. And, you know, what What they do is they pass a local ordinance, a municipal ordinance, that governs possession, simple possession of marijuana, marijuana under an ounce. You know, I think it's important to say, too, you know, Georgia's a medicinal marijuana state. You know, we're already allowing for this to be used medicinally, and we just well, expanded— the, the cannabis oil, not actual marijuana. Sure. I mean, the active ingredient, right? You know, and just this past legislative session, we've expanded the list of allowable, uh, inf- uh, allowable conditions to include— PTSD, and also intractable pain. So now in Georgia, if you can get a doctor saying you have intractable pain, you can use this material. Holy so, smokes, look at the time. 927. It, we're done here. Russell Edwards. Yeah. Uh, quickly, campaign website? Uh, RussellforAthens.com. RussellforAthens.com. Again, running in District 7. Uh, out here uh, six weeks away, as you like to say, six weeks away from the end of That's the election exactly. window. The last day of voting is That's May right. 22nd. As you pointed out, the first day is April. 